combination of iodine and ozone with a smattering of sodium particulates. Just what the doctor ordered. You can come out now, Jamie. Ooh, watch your head on the ladder. Here, take my hand. That's it. I'm a little too old for blind man's bluff, Doctor. Can I not take this thing off? It's your first proper trip in the TARDIS. I wanted to surprise you. Besides, Sight is a deeply overrated sense. Now, what do your ears tell you? It's a wee bit nippy. Well, yes, but... but how about your nostrils? They're cold too. Oh, I don't know why I bother. We have just travelled through time and space and all you can do is moan about the weather. I thought it was only the English who did that. Hey, I'm no Sassanac. Listen, Doctor, I, I know you want me to believe that this... Hardest of yours as magickers out of Scotland, but I'll not wean it through till I see it with my own eyes. Oh, very well. Take the wretched blindfold off. Well? We're on a ship at night. Not just any ship, Jamie. This is the Queen Mary on her maiden voyage out from Southampton to New York. The colonies? Have you lost your head, Doctor? We've enough trouble in Scotland without fighting the English in America, or, or, or the French for that matter. Come on, let's go back to that TARDIS thing of yours before we get press gang. Uh-uh. <clears throat> hey, open the door. It's May 1936, Jamie, two centuries after your time. America's quite civilised now, for the most part. Besides, this isn't a ship of war. Well, not yet, at any rate. This is the RMS Queen Mary, one of the world's first luxury liners. It's... An hotel on water. A floating inn, if you like. A floating inn, you say? Then where are all the guests? Well, if that clock over there is accurate, I imagine they'll be partaking of postprandial refreshment in the cocktail lounge, where you and I shall shortly be joining them. In fact, if you'd care to consult the notice board beneath the clock, I dare say you'll discover a drinks menu. Do they have a special one for stowaways? <laughs> But we're not stowaways. We're paid guests. Voila! Two tickets for the Queen Mary, first class. How'd you get those? I rendered some trifling service to His Majesty, and he gave me these by way of reward. I've been dying to use them ever since. Now, why not peruse that notice board while I fetch you some suitable evening wear from the TARDIS? I think perhaps a black DJ for you... It'll go with your kilt so much better than my white tuxedo. You knew I'd jumped to the wrong conclusion, didn't you? You just wanted me to make a fool of myself. Oh, now, Jamie, would I do a thing like that? Yes. Funny. Oh, blast. Jamie, give me a hand with this door, would you? I think I may have slammed it a little too forcefully just now. Put the blindfold on, Jamie. Take the blindfold off, Jamie. Oh, go over there, Jamie. Come back here, Jamie. Give me a hand to open the door, Jamie. Make up your mind, will you? Perhaps if we both pull together. 
Anything you say, Doctor? Oh, uh, you're wrong, you know, about the name of the ship. A minute ago, you didn't even know what century this was. Oh. <sighs> ah, but that was before I perused the notice board. You got the date wrong as well, by the way. It's not May 1936. It's the 14th of April, 1912. And this isn't the Queen Mary or the Queen anything else. It's... The... The Titanic. for your thoughts, Miss Pilkington. Teddy! I didn't see you there. I may call you Teddy, mayn't I? You may, so long as I can call you Tess. I'd be glad if you did. Therese is such a dowdy name, positively spinsterish. So, Tess, what is it that drags you away from the captain's cocktail party and out here into the cold night? Adventure. Something's going to happen tonight, Teddy. Something momentous, elemental, and you and I are going to be a part of it. Oh, I can feel it in my bones. I'm surprised you can feel anything at this temperature. Aren't you freezing? Yes, but it makes me feel alive. And ensuring you stay that way is one of my chief responsibilities. So, as first officer aboard this vessel, I feel it my duty to escort you inside and order you a hot toddy. What do you say to that, Tess? What a funny-looking pair. I'm sorry? Down there, on the lower deck. A man in a kilt and another wearing some kind of music hall outfit. A sort of short-tailed dinner jacket, white to boot. Looks as though they're trying to prise open that door. Do you suppose they're burglars? Miss Pilkington, would you kindly return to the cocktail lounge? What are you going to do? Confront them? Never you mind, miss. You are, aren't you? You're going to have it out with them. This I have to see. Come on, Teddy. Miss Pilkington! Tess! One, two, three. Oh, it's no good. It won't budge. We're going to need something stronger than a boat hook. Can we just find someone to open it for us? You're forgetting, Jamie. We have tickets for the Queen Mary, not the Titanic. How would we explain our presence on board? Oh, I see what you mean. We'd be taken for stowaways and thrown in the brig. Precisely, and I'm afraid we really don't have time for that. Look at the clock. It's 11.20pm. So? Jamie, this is the Titanic. 46,000 tons of steel, wood and glass. Nine stories of art nouveau splendour. Nearly 900 feet long and 90 feet wide, with a capacity for 3,500 passengers and crew. It's the biggest ship the world has ever known, and in just 20 minutes' time, it's going to hit an iceberg the size of Ben Nevis and sink. Sink? The iceberg rips a hole 300 feet long in the starboard side. Seawater begins to fill the watertight compartments, and as it does so, each compartment automatically seals itself. The ship's designers have thought of everything, you see. The Titanic can happily stay afloat with four fully flooded compartments. The trouble is, the fifth one begins filling with water too. By 2.20, this ship, and over half the souls on board, will be two miles beneath the surface of the sea. 
I'll look for another way into the hold. Don't do that. I'll see if I can lay my hands on a crowbar or an axe. Right. And Jamie, don't dawdle. I'll be back before you can say haggis. Haggis. Wait. Tess, wait. Let me catch my breath. Exhilarating, isn't it? What do you suppose they're after? The burglars? Not burglars. Saboteurs. That door leads to the rear cargo hold, and from there, into the propeller room. You think they're here to nobble the propellers? Why? To delay the ship. All our insurance is predicated on the Titanic reaching New York on time. If we're so much as a day late, it could cost the White Star Line hundreds of thousands of pounds. To say nothing of the loss of face, our competitors would be rubbing their hands with glee. You mean those two could be from a rival company? Oh, oh three. Not quite the word I'd have chosen. But if they're professional saboteurs, won't they be prepared for opposition? They might even be armed. Which is why all senior crew are permitted to carry one of these. What if we're wrong? What if they're just passengers? Then I shall offer my profoundest apologies and escort them to the cocktail lounge for some complimentary champagne. Now wait here, please, and let me handle this. No arguments, please. If I'm not back in five minutes, raise the alarm. Whatever you do, don't follow me. Promise? Promise. Good. Toodle Pip, Miss Pilkington. Toodle Pip, Lieutenant Truman. What? What kind of an idiot built a thing like that? I only promised not to follow you, Teddy. <sighs> Makes no sense. So little does these days. Oh, ah, uh, good evening, miss. I was just, um, <clears throat> just about to shut this door. Teresa Pilkington, but you can call me Tess. And you are? Uh, Jamie. Jamie McCrimmon. We had a dog called Jamie, a Used to love eating apples. Bits of skin and pulp everywhere. He really was the messiest. Oh, sorry. Oh, that's all right. Uh, I'm quite fond of apples myself. Uh, Now, if you'll forgive me, I'd best be getting on. What makes no sense? I beg your pardon? Just now, you said it makes no sense. Ah, yes, uh, this door. You were trying to get into the hold? Exactly. I thought this might lead down there, but it doesn't. Where does it lead? Nowhere. There's just a sheet of blank metal behind it. See? And that's what doesn't make sense. Why go to the trouble of building a door that doesn't go anywhere? Perhaps they didn't have time to finish it off before we left Southampton. You know, what with the deadlines and everything. I mean, one hears that a delay of even a single day could scupper the entire venture. You know what insurance firms are like. Uh, I can't say as I do, Missy. I only know that I've got to find a way into that hold, and soon. Might one inquire as to why? Well, it's, uh, <laughs> that is, I, I have to, um, oh, it's difficult to explain. Perhaps I can help you search. Well, let's try the next door down, shall we? Come on, Jamie. Come on, Doctor, time's running out. Can I help you, sir? What? Oh, uh, good evening, uh, Lieutenant? <laughs> oh, I was just, well, checking these lifeboats here. Very sound, not that they'll be needed, of course. <laughs> but one never knows, does one? Were you looking for something in particular? No, just making sure everything was shipshape in Bristol fashion. <laughs> what time is it, by the way? Time? You were back in your cabin, sir. Let me escort you there. What number did you say it was? Well, I didn't, actually. My mistake. Or perhaps you'd prefer me to take you straight to the lower cargo hold. I say, that would be splendid. I'm sure it would. And thence to the propeller room, no doubt, where you can execute your little act of sabotage. Sabotage? 
Oh, my dear fellow, I fear you have me mixed up with someone else. For your sake, I wish that were true. Hands up, Mr... Uh, uh, doctor, as a matter of fact. And you are? First officer. First officer, first officer. Aboard the Titanic. Ah, ah. I take it I'm addressing the redoubtable Lieutenant William McMaster Murdoch? You are not. I'm the doubting Edward James Truman, actually. As far as I know, there's no Murdoch on this ship. What? Blank. Blank. This just doesn't make any sense. Blank. How peculiar. Try that hatchway in the deck over there. Let's see, shall we? Fingers crossed. Blank. Something's not right here. I, I, I can feel it in my bones. I had that earlier. A sort of presentiment. A feeling that something exciting's going to happen. Uh, well, careful what you wish for, miss. Look, is there any way to get down from above? Uh, from inside one of the other levels? Uh, an internal staircase or, or something? I... I don't know. You've never been below decks before? Of course not. It's third class. Naturally, I don't believe in the class system, you understand, but it's not the done thing to fraternise. Oh, nice to see some things never change, even after 200 years. So, Miss Tess, if uh, below decks is awash with peasants and undesirables, how do they get there? Or are you saying they can float through solid steel like ghosts? Look, we really don't have time for this. Had other plans, did we? Like sabotaging the propellers. Oh. For the last time, I am not a saboteur. And since when did officers on the Titanic carry guns? Since it became necessary to defend the ship from people like you. Imposters. Keep climbing. Oh. If anyone round here is an imposter, it's you, Lieutenant Truman. William Murdoch is first officer aboard the Titanic. He's a Scot, married to Ada Banks. You're English, you're not wearing a wedding ring, and moreover... That gun you're holding is a PO8 Parabellum pistol manufactured in 1900 by Georg Luger and the firearm of choice for the German army. Who are you really? I'm... I'm Lieutenant Edward Truman, first officer aboard the RMS Titanic, serving under Captain Edward J. Smith. Uh, part of that's true, at least. Captain Smith is indeed in charge of this ship for about another ten minutes. Stop talking rot and get in there. Go on. Oh. oh, a little library. How delightful. Am I to be treated to a bedtime story before you shoot me? Of course. But first, I need to locate your accomplice. Doctor! Doctor! Oh, of all the times to go swanning off. Doctor! <sighs> Mr. McCrimmon! Jamie! What did you mean just now about ghosts? Was it a metal floor? Metal floor? Uh, aye. And metal walls too. That's the problem. Uh, and ghosts is what you and I'll become if we don't get off this ship. <laughs> metal floor? Metal floor? That's <laughs> very good. I knew you two must be a music hall. What does your friend do? The one in the albino evening jacket? The doctor? Hey, you've seen him. Only from a distance. Teddy and I, or rather... Lieutenant Truman and I saw you trying to break through that door there. Teddy thought you were saboteurs, but I knew you were theatricals. I used to dabble myself, so I can tell a fellow thespian. A fellow what? So, what's in the hold that you want so badly? Uh, 
a big blue box. Uh, it's our ticket out of here. And what's in this blue box of yours? Teddy! Where did you spring from? Cutting tools? Weapons? Explosives? Tell me. Tell me. No good. Still, nice to see the white star line have spared no expense on the woodwork. Shame they didn't extend the same courtesy to the choice of literature on offer. Millie of the Mari Celeste... I think you mean Mary Celeste, Mr. Um, J.P. Tumley, whoever you are. Another thrilling tale of adventure, romance and tragedy on the high seas from the author who brought you Mavis of the Medusa and Georgina of the George. Dear, oh dear. Let's see if your prose is as hackneyed as your publicity. Well, well. Well, well, well. And I'm telling you, you've got it all wrong. Doctor, would you tell this starch ninny here we're not spies? Saboteurs. I don't think it'd do any good, Jamie. Lieutenant Truman here was expecting to find saboteurs on board, and our presence here has merely confirmed his suspicions. It fairly well has. Forgive the intemperate language, Miss Pilkington. Teddy! Perhaps they're telling the truth. I mean, it's not as if they've done anything particularly suspicious. Apart from trying to break into the lower cargo hold. We both saw them, Tess, clear as day. It's a full moon. We can't have been mistaken. Full moon? Well, that can't be right. There'd have been no need to break into anything if he hadn't welded all the doors shut in the first place. What are you babbling about? It's true, Teddy. All the doors on the lower deck open onto nothing. Just blank steel. They can't have had time to finish the third-class accommodation before we set sail. Ridiculous. Harland and Wolf are the finest shipwrights in the world. They'd never have made such an oversight. Besides, this ship has a full complement of passengers. Then where are they? What? Where are the passengers? And the crew, for that matter. Don't you have ears, man? Who do you think that is, having drinks along the deck? Oh, I have ears, Lieutenant Truman, and they're telling me something's not quite right with that cocktail party of yours. Listen. I don't get it, Doctor. Sounds pretty normal to me. Wait. And the band played on. The same tune. They're playing the same tune. Full marks, Miss Pilkington. Tess, please. Tess. That's the third time they performed Nearer My God to Thee since Lieutenant Truman locked me in here. What's so unusual about that? (laughs) Maybe they don't know anything else. Oh, I doubt that, Jamie. Wallace Hartley is one of the most accomplished band leaders in the business. Before he got this gig, he worked aboard the Titanic's rival ships, the Lusitania and the Mauritania. Our Wally has a musical repertoire as large as this vessel. Forgive my ignorance, but why is this significant? It's significant, Teddy, because it reveals a lack of originality. It's too obvious. Too much of a cliché. Nearer, my God, to thee is the tune the band played when the Titanic struck the iceberg and began to sink. Struck the iceberg? The iceberg, yes. Or doesn't that happen in this version? Is it just saboteurs and debutantes and stiff upper lips? hmm? I expect customers have to pay more for the full Titanic experience, sinking and all. The Titanic experience? What are you talking about? What's the matter, Teddy boy? 
Not got a scripted ad lib to fall back on. Uh, I don't understand either, Doctor. It's a fake, Jamie. The whole thing is a fake. Fake? Not a very good one. Look at this book. Empty. Blank pages. This one too. Nothing. They're not even by authors I've heard of. Presumably whoever's running this gig doesn't want to pay for the copyright. This gig? Oh, they're set dressing, Jamie. Props. Like the canned music we can hear. Like the mock-up of the lower deck with its fake doors. Like Lieutenant Truman's incongruous pistol. Mad. He's gone stark staring mad. Have I? Come with me and I'll prove it. Cocktail time. Wait, Doctor. You mean someone's made all this up? Why? Money, I expect, Jamie. That's the usual reason. This is all designed for paying guests who get their kicks vicariously. Tragedy tourists, you could call them. But who'd pay to see a thousand people die? Oh, you'd be surprised. There are plenty of people out there with a surfeit of money and a deficit of taste. Roll up, roll up. Experience the last moments of the Titanic. Put yourselves in the shoes of passengers who are actually there. Thrill as the iceberg looms. Gasp as it rips a hole in the ship's side. Shudder as you watch the mighty Titanic sink beneath the waves from the safety of your first-class lifeboat. We promise to make it a night to remember. Stop it, Doctor. That's sick. It is indeed, Jamie. Here we are, the cocktail lounge. Time to pull down the curtain on this nasty little charade. Step away from that door, Doctor. I thought you said his gun was a fake. I merely said incongruous. I don't know what you two are up to, but I can't allow you to disturb the other passengers. I keep telling you, there are no other passengers. And if you'll allow me to open that door, I can prove it. No. But, Teddy, what harm can there be? They mustn't open that door. They mustn't. Teddy? Teddy, are you all right? Uh, Doctor... If this place is a fake, what about them? Tess and Teddy? I'm not sure. Actors? Androids? Holograms? Stop talking about us as if we're not real. I am Teresa Pilkington of Chelsea, and this is First Officer Edward Truman. We met at the captain's cocktail party tonight. He said I could call him Teddy. Miss Pilkington, Tess. The Titanic's first officer was a Scot called Lieutenant William Murdoch. Like everything else on this so-called ship, Teddy here is the product of lazy research. Wrong name, wrong nationality, wrong gun. Stop it, stop it. Like the books in the library, this whole floating edifice is a hack job. The real Wallace Hartley's bandit indeed play nearer, my God, to thee. But only after the ship struck the iceberg. And that full moon shining so brightly up in the starry sky shouldn't even be there. The night of Sunday the 14th of April was moonless. No more. Please, no more. No more? Don't you want to know the truth? You say you met Teddy in here. Well, let's take a look at this famous cocktail party, shall we? There! No! Blank wall. Just like the ones below. You said it yourself when we first landed, Jamie. I'll not wean it true until I see it with my own eyes. Well, you were right. Seeing is believing. All right, whoever you are, you can stop it now. We've rumbled your game. This is not the real Titanic. Doctor, what's happening? Have we hit the iceberg? No! It's the ship! It's undergoing some sort of metamorphosis! Meta-what? It's changing! Changing into what? 
a steam yacht. A huge, undamaged, immaculate steam yacht. The Titan. The what? The name of the ship. It's written on those round things over there. Lifebelts. So it is. The Titan. Doctor, what just happened? I... I don't know. Well, I thought I did. I thought we were on some kind of theme park ride. But now... I have no idea. First the Titanic, now the Titan. From steamship to steam yacht, complete with sails, crow's nest, and a crow. What? Up there. There's someone in the crow's nest. Ahoy there! Ahoy there! Look out! Great, another mad toff. Ahoy there, sir! This is the Titan, is it not? Oh, I knew it. Aye, sir, it is the indestructible Titan. Will this be her maiden voyage? Nay, sir, this will be my seventh crossing, though the Titan's made many more than me. I see. Look, this may sound rather odd. Here we go. But what month is it? April, sir! April 1898! And the hour? Just died middle watch, sir! Thank you! You're welcome, sir! Some people, honestly. Middle watch, Jamie. That's from midnight until four in the morning. But I thought you said the Titanic hit the iceberg at 20 to midnight. We're not on the Titanic anymore, we're on the Titan. And it's 1898, not 1912. Ah, but it's still April. We're still at sea and it's still cold. Less so, thanks to this fog. So many similarities and yet so many differences. The unsinkable Titanic, the indestructible Titan. One on her maiden voyage, the other an old hand at the crossing. A a starry night, a foggy night. There's something we're missing, Jamie, something big. I feel I ought to have heard of the Titan. Oh. Uh, Tess, she's coming round. All to the point, she's still here. Aye, and that teddy fella too. Look. Except, he's got a beard now. Doctor, if you were wrong about the ship, maybe you were wrong about them as well. Yeah, the thought had occurred to me. Come on, help me to sit her up. There we are. It's all right, Miss Pilkington. Gently does it there. That's it. There. What happened? Uh, We hit a bit of turbulence. Nothing to worry about. Can you stand, Tess? If you hold my arm... There we are. Oh, thank you. Who's Tess? You are. Miss Teresa Pilkington. Listen, mister, I may have blacked out there for a second, but I haven't forgotten who I am. I'm Myra Selfridge. Mrs. Myra Selfridge. Of Chelsea? Of New York City. And just what in Hades is he doing there? The skunk! Nasty. Although he did have it coming. I wonder. Mrs. Selfridge, this may sound impertinent, but who do you think this man is? I don't think, sir. I know. This wastrel is John Rowland, a no-good ex-admirer of mine. And you can bet your bottom dollar he came on board this ship with the express wish of blackmailing me. Blackmailing you? I wasn't always Mrs. Selfridge, you know. And John Rowland and I, 
what we used to step out together a few years back. Even spoke about getting hitched. <laughs> then one night, he just disappeared. Gambling debts, another woman, who knows? Never heard from him or saw him again. Until now. <laughs> the rat. Is it any wonder, Myra? It's been five years and you still know how to kick a man when he's down. <clears throat> Lieutenant John Rowland, gentlemen. And you are? I'm the doctor and this is my friend Jamie McCrimmon. Fellow countryman, I see. What were you doing in New York? Business or pleasure? As if you'd know the difference. New York? I thought that's where we were headed. A man after your own heart, John. Doesn't know whether he's coming or going. We just left New York, Mr. McCrimmon. Next port of call, Southampton. Unless you want to get off on route. How far out are we from New York? A fair ways. By now, I reckon we should be roughly 400 miles off Terra Nova. Terra Nova? Newfoundland. Let's hope that's just another coincidence. Uh, let's hope what's just another coincidence? The Titanic hit the iceberg roughly 400 miles off Newfoundland. But this isn't the Titanic. This is the Titan. And what if they share the same fate? Out are we from New York? Fair ways. By now, I reckon we should be roughly 400 miles off Terra Nova. Terra Nova. Oh, Terra Nova. Give me terra firma any day. Actually, right now, I'd settle for a fire, some dry cloves, and hot meat pie. Titanic hit the iceberg roughly 400 miles off Newfoundland. But this isn't the Titanic. Aye, aye. This is the Titanic. It's like the fog's finally shifting. Oh, my sweet lord. Ice! Ice ahead! Iceberg right under the bows! We're gonna hit it! No, we're not. That iceberg's on its side. We're gonna beach. Everyone, hold on to something. Jamie, you and Myra, grab that hawser. Tie it round your boat. What about you, Doctor? Oh, never mind me. Against the railing, Doctor. Quick! Hold on! We're coming in too fast! Brace yourselves! The lookout, is he? Hi. Dead the moment the mast hit the deck, poor fella. You're right. You're bleeding. I'm fine. It's just where the rope bit into my shoulder. Sorry. I'm not very good with knots. Don't apologize. Without your quick reactions, we'd both be dead. It's a good job you... 
Jamie, it's gone. What's gone? The railing. The one John and the Doctor were holding on to. What? Doctor! Are you there, Doctor? Doctor! John! John! Can you hear me? It's no good. This rope's not shifting. Can you reach my sock? Possibly. Why? That's where I keep my duck. My knife. We'll have to cut ourselves free. Come on, lassie. All right. I'm going as fast as I can. Jamie, it's listing. You don't think the ship's going to tip over, do you fall on its side? How should I know? But if it does, then the last place we want to be is dangling 50 feet in the air tied to this thing. Now get that knife. Of course. Sorry. Got it. Here. Thanks. Jamie. Going as fast as I can. There. Done it. Now, let's climb to the higher side of the ship, see if we can spot the Doctor and John from there. Here, take my hand. Uh, oh, go on. Uh. Can't see them anywhere. You don't think they fell overboard, do you? Jamie, you don't think that... I don't know. Look, I- I'm going to climb onto the outside of the ship and see if I can get a better view. Stay here. Be careful. Oh, I will be. Anything? Nothing. All these wee boats have been smashed to pieces, though. Well, the lifeboats wouldn't have done us much good anyway. We're on an iceberg, not in the water. She's turning on her side. Myra, grab the railing. Jamie! Ah. Jamie! I can't... Hold on. I'm going to fall. No, no, you're not. Look, swing your leg up onto the railing. I'll grab you and pull you over. I can't. I'll fall. Women, you're all the same. What? All talk, no substance. You were perfectly happy to kick a man when he was unconscious. But when it comes to a wee bit of climbing, you act like a little girl. I can't. I'll fall. Anyone so feeble deserves to fall. Feeble? I'll show you who's feeble, Buster. And when I have, you'll be the one crying in his skirt. There. Well done, Myra. You're the bravest lass I know. What? You did it deliberately, didn't you? You said all that to spur me on. I couldn't reach you. And the railings wouldn't take both our weights. You had to do it on your own. Thank you. I owe you my life. No, you don't. You saved yourself. What's that? A nasty feeling this ship just turned into a sled. You mean we're gonna slide back into the water? Hold on. <laughs> we're afloat. The whole ship's on its side, but we're still afloat. Not for much longer. The seawater must be coming in and forcing the air out through this side of the ship. When all the portholes blow out. What happens when you draw a hole in a rowing boat? Oh! oh! Here goes the engine room. We need to get off this ship now. But how? All the lifeboats are smashed to smithereens. The TARDIS! The what? The Doctor and I have our own ship. It's down below at the rear end. What if it's damaged too? Not the TARDIS. The Doctor says it's indestructible. That's what they said about the Titan. It's our only hope now. Come on!
Down there. The door's open. Look, we'll have to jump. It must be 15 feet. Now, I'm not going to have to call you feeble again, am I? If you put it like that. <laughs> Myra, are you all right? Fine. Just winded. Come on. Here I come. Ah, ah. Oh. What's the matter? Nothing. My ankle just landed awkwardly, that's all. Well, can you stand? Of course I can stand. Oh, ah. Oh, here, lean on me. We're nearly there. Now, quick, into the hole before it fills with water. I'll lower you in. No, you won't. You first. Well, I'm not going to argue. The wall's only about five feet down. There, maybe. Now you, and shut the door after you. The water's coming in. Stand back. I'm coming through. We made it. Did we? How are you going to launch this ship of yours from underwater? It's not that kind of ship. Now, uh, the TARDIS should be around here somewhere. Hang on. There. That's better. At least we can see where we are now. So what does this TARDIS of yours look like? Jamie? It's not here. What? The TARDIS. It's gone. Jamie, hold on. Hold on. How are you feeling, Doctor? Mm -hmm. Lieutenant Roland? John, please. Here. Drink some water. Oh. Oh, thank you, John. Uh, Easy. Now, uh, Doctor, there's no oh. hurry. The sun's only just coming up. What is this place? A, a tent? Hardly. A sail and a couple of oars. I cobbled it together from what I could find. Flotsam. That's where I found the water bottle. I have a few scraps of food, too, saved from the sea. No dry clothes, I'm afraid, so we'll just have to put up with what we've got. Oh, you're a resourceful man. What happened, John? Where are we? We're on an iceberg. The Titan struck it head on, and the railing you and I were holding onto gave way. We were thrown off the bow and onto the ice. You hit your head and... Well, I don't mind telling you, I thought you were a goner. You were bleeding so much. I'm quite resilient. I can see that. Anyway, while I was trying to bandage your forehead, the ship listed onto her starboard side and slid down the ice shelf into the sea. She began to sink. Fast. Within a few minutes, the indestructible Titan was on her way to Davy Jones's locker, carrying two and a half thousand souls with her. Jamie... What about Jamie and Myra? Doctor. Did they make it to a lifeboat? Tell me. The lifeboats were all smashed to pieces. The Titan only carried a few anyway, a score or so, the minimum required by law. After all, what's the point of them if your ship is unsinkable? 
I did see one boat sailor away after the ship sank, though. And? Couldn't have been more than a dozen folks on board. I tried hailing her, but she was heading away from us, out into the northern lane route. A dozen? Well, then Jamie and Myra could have been on board. I don't think so. Oh, you'd be surprised. Like you, Jamie's a very resourceful fellow. Oh, in the past, he and I have been in a lot of scrapes together, and we've always come through all right. And that Myra of yours, she seems like a fighter, not a quitter. Lot of spirit that lady has. Oh, you mark my words. Those two are on that lifeboat. They're dead, Doctor. What? I saw them. When the Titan was lying on its side in the water, I saw them running along the outside of the hull towards the stern. They must have been looking for a seaworthy lifeboat, but they never made it. The ship sank while they were still on board. I'm sorry, Doctor. Believe me, I'm so sorry. I... I loved Myra. Loved her with all my heart. I'd happily have given my life for hers. It was supposed to be a treat. A surprise for Jamie. Well, we've not seen each other for oh, so many years. I wanted it to be like the good old days. But now he's gone. Gone on a journey to the undiscovered country. Without me. Goodbye, Jamie. High to haunts right seldom seen. Lovely, lonesome, cool and green. Over bank and over brae. High away. High away. Farewell, my friend. Doctor, what was that? A traveller from the frozen north. He must have the scent of my blood in his nostrils. A traveller? Ursus Maritimus, the world's largest land carnivore. A polar bear. Two of them. We can't stay here. We're sitting targets. Let's take what we can carry and head for higher ground. How are you at mountaineering? Make it to the top, Doctor. This ice is nearly vertical as it is. There's a ledge just above us. A fissure in the ice. We can rest there. Sounds like the bears have found the tent. Then it's a good job we're up here and they're down there, isn't it? Oh, oh, made it. Not the widest ledge in the world, but at least it's level and out of the wind. Here. Give me a hand. Oh, I'll build. Ah, oh, Try to find a foothold. Oh, that's it. That's it. Now, climb up. Hold onto my arm and pull yourself up. Ah. Oh. Thank you. If you hadn't grabbed me, I'd be barefoot by now. Oh, too many people have died in the last 24 hours, John. And the worst of it is, I don't know why. Tess and Teddy, you and Myra, the Titan and the Titanic. There's some connection that I'm missing. Something I can't fix in my head. I gave up trying to make sense of the world years ago. Fate, kismet, destiny. You call it what you like. The bottom line is that life is hard, cruel and unrewarding. You don't really believe that. Don't I? Look out there, Doctor. Ice... 
icebergs and icy ocean as far as the eye can see. Tell me, where in that white abomination is there goodness, generosity, love? It is indeed an awful place, but, but a beautiful one too. And where there's beauty, there's consolation. And where there's consolation, there's hope. Hope? The best we can hope for is a swift death. And yet you persist in evading it. Just now, you could have let go of my hand, consigned yourself to oblivion, and yet you didn't. Why? Well, I didn't have time to think about it. Precisely. You acted instinctively, and your instinct told you that existence was better than non-existence. That's what life is. The instinct to survive, in spite of the odds stacked against you. This is one of the most inhospitable places on earth, and yet it hasn't conquered us yet, has it? We're still here. Some of those bears. Come on, Doctor. There's no time to sit and chat. We've got to work out a way off this iceberg and back to civilization. Good man. From the looks of it, this ledge opens out further along. Maybe the climbing will be easier along there. Lead on. Doctor, what do you make of this? I believe, Lieutenant Rowland, that this is what's known as an ice chimney. And what does one do with an ice chimney? Light a nice fire at the bottom of it? Nice fire, very good. I'm a great fan of consonantal rebracketing. You don't say. One goes up it, John, like a nadder through grass or an ute through water. <laughs> Come on. I don't know how Father Christmas manages it. <laughs> no more chimneys for me. Now, ooh, where are we? Ah, the proverbial tip of the iceberg. It looks like the sea mist's beginning to roll in again. Uh, thankfully, it's pretty low-lying. Perfect for sitting pretty and lying low. You never give up, do you, Doctor? <laughs> Cheerful to the end. Laugh and the world laughs with you. Weep and you weep alone. Ella Wheeler Wilcox, from the poem Solitude. Ah, well read, sailor. I'm impressed. It wasn't always as you see me now, Doctor. Mm. I had a good education. Joined the Navy at 21, worked my way up through the ranks, came close to commanding my own ship. Then I met Myra and everything changed. She was the most dazzling woman I'd ever laid eyes on, sharp as a pin and pretty as a picture. And such a dancer. Polka, waltz, you name it. What went wrong? I loved her too much. I wanted to give her things. Tickets to the theatre, supper parties in town, fine jewellery, expensive dresses. She never asked for them. Often told me not to buy them, in fact. But how could I stop? It's selfish, I know, but I took a genuine pleasure in the act of giving it all cost money, though. More money than my Navy pay packet could provide. I became reckless. Took to gambling and other things. 
In the end, I lost my reputation, my job, and my run. And that's when you joined the crew of the Titan as a lowly lieutenant? Yes, Doctor. I'd destroyed so much in my life, I wanted to be around something that couldn't be broken. The indestructible Titan. <laughs> now I've destroyed even that. Uh, the iceberg did that, John. And the hubris that comes from mankind believing himself superior to nature. That's the problem with Titans. They make titanic mistakes. Titanic mistakes? Titanic? Doctor? Broken relationships, separated friends, cracks in the ice, even the division of words. It all points to the same thing. What are you talking about? A time fissure. A point where time divides into two distinct paths. Which happens all the time. Shall I put cream on my scone first or jam? If cream, history follows a slightly different path from if I'd gone with jam. But such moments are tiny, infinitesimal. They barely scrape the surface of the space-time continuum. I'm not sure I could. But a disaster follow. of this magnitude, a moment where thousands of people die in a single incident, changes the course of history in a profound and far-reaching way. These people have families, loved ones, servants, employees, pets even. All those lives are changed by this one event. You mean it does more than scrape the surface? Precisely. It carves a groove in it, like a scratch on a gramophone record. A what? Oh, sorry, I forgot. Um, a phonograph cylinder. And when the needle approaches this scratch, it's thrown off its normal path onto another. It jumps tracks. It jumps tracks? That's what Jamie and I did. We landed the TARDIS on just such a scratch. The sinking of the Titanic. And we're thrown off into a parallel version of history where it's a ship called the Titan that hits the iceberg. What, 1912, 1898? The difference isn't that huge on a cosmic scale. Perhaps I should take a look at your bandage, Doctor. The wound on your forehead may be deeper than we thought. Oh, I'm fine. Never better, in fact. John, I think I know how to get us off this iceberg. You do? We must return to the Nexus Point, the place where the Titanic became the Titan. Hopefully the time fissure will still be unstable and we can cross back into 1912... In time to get rescued by the RMS Carpathia when she arrives on the scene. Even if what yeah. you say made any sort of sense, which it doesn't, how could we hope to find this nexus point? It must be miles away, out in the open ocean. You forget, Lieutenant, that we're on a moving object. This iceberg is slowly being dragged along by the North Atlantic current. The Titan was sailing against that same current on her way out from New York. Which means we're heading back along her path. Exactly. We'll need to be closer to sea level if we're to have a hope of hitting the Nexus. Don't tell me. We've got to climb back down. I'm afraid so. But don't worry. We don't have to go down the same way we came up. This side of the iceberg looks to be much more gently contoured. Why, even your old granny could stroll down this with ease. Ow! Ooh. Ah. Ah. What was that you were saying about hubris? Doctor? Yes? I've been thinking. I'm glad to hear it. Not much point in being a homo sapiens if we fail to exercise the sapiens bit. What are you thinking about? Two things, really. Firstly, how will we know when we're close to this nexus of yours? I can't see a thing through this fog. You don't see a temporal nexus. You feel it. 
Provided you're time-sensitive, that is. Which you are. Naturally. And the second of your two pensées? Why, if there are only two of us, does it sound like we've got more than one pair of feet each? What are you talking about? Listen. Did you hear it? Yes. It's probably an effect of the fog. Then again, it could be 1,500 pounds of hungry polar bear. It's all on either side. They're forming some sort of pincer movement. Take off your coat. What? And freeze to death? Do it. Polar bears hunt by smell. If we leave your coat and my blood-soaked bandage here, maybe we can confuse them long enough to get away. Surely we can outrun them. I mean, bears are slow, aren't they? thought you said you had a good education. Hunting polar bears can reach speeds of up to 25 miles an hour. The top speed for humans currently stands at about 20, and that wasn't on ice. Point taken. There. I never did care much for uniforms. Now, run. No. Walk fast, but quietly. Polar bears also have excellent hearing. Come on. How far are we from the edge of the iceberg? How far? The ice is getting thinner from the sounds of it. Too thin, I hope, for polar bears. It worked. For now, they'll soon tire of that high-fibre diet, and when they do, they'll come looking for protein. Yes, but by then, you and I should have found the nigger! Oh, Don't get my legs crossed with the ice! Give me a hand. Oh, that's it. Are you hurt? No. It was more the shock of the cold water than anything. Oh, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cry out. They've heard us. Run! <laughs> ahead. We'll have to jump. Don't be mad. It'll sink. No, it won't! There. It's perfectly safe. Come on. All right. Stand back. John, hang on! Stay back, Doctor! Stay back! John, are you all right? I can't feel my arm. Uh, you'll be all right, I promise you. Oh. I just need to stop you bleeding. It's all right, Doctor. Oh. It doesn't hurt. It's clever of you to sound that fog on. That wasn't me. What was it, then? That! I don't believe it. Submarine? Well, not just any submarine, Lieutenant Rowland. It's the one from 20,000 leagues under the sea. The Nautilus. Uh, do either of you two fellas need a lift? Jamie!
the hole before it fills with water. I'll lower you in. No, you won't. You first. Well, I'm not going to argue. The wall's only about five feet down. Yeah, now you, and shut the door after you. The water's coming in. Stand back. I'm coming through. He gave express orders that I was not to be disturbed. My apologies, Captain, but we are nearing the target. Then proceed as instructed. Forgive me, sir, but the target is no longer on the surface. It is lying on the seabed. Then I suggest you take us alongside and prepare the underwater lances. And do not bother me again until you have news of our quarry. matter? It isn't your fault, Jamie. It was a good idea. We should have just jumped overboard. And frozen to death in the sea? Or worse, been dragged under when the ship sank? All things considered, I think I prefer this. At least it's companionable. And look what I found. Well, okay, it's pitch black, so listen to what I found. <laughs> champagne! <laughs> oh. Not champagne. Sparkling water! Ah, oh, well, you can't have everything. Here. Thanks. It's thirsty business, this dying. Thank heavens for that. What? You got your sense of humor back. I thought I was going to suffocate to death with a stony-faced stoic. Ah, sorry, Myra. I'm not usually like this. I was just, you know, thinking. About that doctor friend of yours? Right. He'd know what to do in a situation like this. I doubt that. I don't think even the boys' brigade can prepare you for how to cope with being incarcerated in a dead ship a mile beneath the surface of the North Atlantic. I guess we just sit around and wait for Davy Jones to come and knock him. Jamie, you don't say... No, I don't. Best not until you have all the facts. Uh, got that light of yours. Hang on. There. It's 
coming from behind those crates. Come on. Now, hold the light steady while I shift these. Maybe some more people survive. Uh, nothing. Just a metal wall. Hello? Is anyone there? There is someone there. We can hear you. Are you all right? I said we can hear you. You can stop banging. It's Morse code. Dash dot dot dot. That, that's a B. Dot dash A. Oh, Jamie, they're sending a message in Morse code. Morse what? C. John taught it to me. We used to send each other messages under the table in restaurants. K. B-A-C-K. Back. Back to what? I think they mean keep back. What is it? Our ticket out of here. I take it you've located them, Professor. A Scott with a twisted ankle and an American female. I am bringing them over now in the Sea Dragon. And our main quarry? He may still be on the iceberg. Let us hope for all our sakes that we find him before they do. Indeed so, Captain. Sea Dragon out. Back to the Nautilus as quickly as possible. Aye, aye, Professor. Time to check on our guests. <clears throat> and how are we feeling after our little ordeal? Relieved to be alive. We can't thank you enough for rescuing us. Please, it was nothing. I should have been neglecting my duty as a Frenchman were I to have allowed such a ravishing lady as yourself to perish beneath the waves. Oh, charmed, I'm sure. But where are my manners? Permit me to introduce myself. I am Pierre Aronnax, formerly assistant professor of the Natural History Museum of Paris. Myra Selfridge, social wastrel. Enchanté, mademoiselle. And you are Monsieur... McCrimmon. Jamie McCrimmon, Highlander. Pleased to make your acquaintance, Monsieur McCrimmon. You are from Scotland, no? How fascinating... I understand you have a large sauropod in one of your waterways. A what? He means a monster in one of your locks. Oh, that's just superstition. Every pond big enough for ducks is said to be haunted by a kelpie or two. Uh, the real thing, mind, uh, that's another matter. Such a pity. Aquatic megafauna are something of a passion with me. But no matter. How is the ankle? The compress bandage is not too tight? It's fine, thanks. Mind you, I'll be happier when I can breathe fresh air again. As far as I can see, we've swapped one metal box for another. Oh, don't worry. The sea dragon here is only a temporary home. We should reach the Nautilus in a few minutes. <laughs> the Nautilus? As in Jules Verne? In fact, if you'd care to look through the starboard observation port, she should be coming into view any moment now. I'll look forward to it. It's not every day you come face to face with a legend. Uh, sorry, what exactly is this naughty louse? That is the Nautilus. Oh, my sainted aunt. What is it? A big sea beastie. No, Monsieur McCrimmon. 
The Nautilus is the greatest feat of engineering in the history of the world. Seventy meters in length and eight meters across, it is a double-hulled, sodium-mercury-powered submersible capable of attaining speeds in excess of 50 knots. It can stay underwater for five days without surfacing and support a crew of 100 men in comfort. It was designed and built by a man for whom the term genius is too mild. A man you shall both be meeting very shortly. Nothing yet, I regret to say, but all is not lost. Aranax tells me the target may still be on the iceberg. As soon as the Sea Dragon docks, we shall make our way there. Nautilus out. Thank you. Welcome, my friends. Welcome to the Nautilus. It's... it's like something from a dream. You mean we're now inside that big fishy? Like Jonah in the belly of the whale. If you'll forgive me. Captain, this is Aronax. The sea dragon is in the wet dock, and our two guests are now safely on board. Then close the outer doors and let's be on our way. We've delayed long enough. Closing sea doors now. That was our host, I take it. Or our jailer. Engage the engines. Aye, aye, Captain. Initiate hydroplaning. What's happening? It's nothing to be alarmed about. We are hydroplaning. Hydro... what? The Nautilus has a unique propulsion system, which siphons seawater through a series of near-frictionless pipes and accelerates it inside the ship before expelling it in compressed form through our aft jets. You mean we're going faster? Precisely. We must rescue your friends from that iceberg as quickly as possible, no? This doctor of yours sounds a most fascinating man. Scientist, adventurer, artist, gourmet, truly a renaissance man. Come. I only told you his name. Approaching the surface, Captain. Cut hydroplanes and raise periscope. Raising periscope now. And now for a first glimpse of the great doctor. Sound the foghorn, now! Aye, aye, Captain. <gasps> What's that? I do believe we found him. Them, Monsieur Roland and the doctor. John? Then what are we waiting for? How do you get out of this iron mackerel? The ladder over there. It leads to the dorsal hatch. Right. But wait, we're still surfacing. 
We've waited too long already. For all we know, they might be dying of cold out there, or, or be injured, or... Uh, do either of you two fellows need a lift? Jamie! Doctor! Oh. Jamie! I thought you were dead. Likewise. Oh. <laughs> John! You're right. I've had better days. John! John Rowland? Myra! This is rapidly turning into an episode of the Waltons. Jamie, help me get John on board that submersible of yours before our friendly polar bears decide to put in another appearance. Of course. Here. Uh, careful. Uh, uh, we have him. Proceeding to rendezvous point. Nautilus out. Take us under. Aye, aye, Captain. Well, Doctor, will you thank me or curse me for saving your life? That should do it. Pretty passable surgeon's not. Though I dare say a sailor like you could tie a better one in his sleep. You forget what a hash I made when I bandaged your head. Yeah. That was in the field, or rather on the iceberg, and not in a state-of-the-art surgery like this. Doctor, this ship, the Nautilus, it can't be real, can it? I mean, Jules Verne made it up, didn't he? So I'd been led to believe. Is it something to do with the Nexus, that temporal scratch of yours? I don't know. But I intend to find out. Now, ready for visitors? Oh, I'd rather be keel-hauled. <laughs> That's the spirit. Here goes. You can come in now. About time, too. Half an hour I've been out there worrying. That's half an hour of peace and quiet I've had. John Rowland, if you weren't in such a sorry state already... I'd How is he, Doctor? Surprisingly well. Thankfully, most of the scratches were superficial, but he's got a nasty bite on his shoulder. His blood's a little darker than I'd like, too. But I expect his haemoglobin levels are low. With a good diet and plenty of care and attention, he should be right as rain in a day or so. Still, that scotched one of my theories. He's not an android. Now, Jamie, a word in your shell-like. I knew you'd be fine. Davy Jones could never have put up with your racket. This ship, the Nautilus, how did you get on board? They rescued us, cut through the side of the ship and brought us back here in a wee metal tub, like a, a diddy version of this ship. It makes no sense. Oh, you're telling me. A boat that travels underwater? It's, it's mad. No, I meant none of this makes any sense. First, we land on the Titanic. Then something happens and we find ourselves on the Titan... And now we're on board the Nautilus, the most famous submarine in all of fiction. Fiction! So that's what Myra meant about coming face to face with a legend. Uh, sorry, Doctor, I've not read many books. Don't worry, you're excused, it's well after your time. The Nautilus appears in two novels by a French writer called Jules Verne. 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea, published in 1870, and The Mysterious Island, published four years later. Well, if this is 1898 then those stories have been around for 20 years. Mm. So? So, maybe someone read the books and built himself his very own Nautilus. Possibly. But who?
Where have you been, Professor? I sent for you exactly 17 minutes ago. I was checking the cargo, Captain. Any particular reason why? Just making sure everything was secure. I always worry that the vibration from the hydroplanes will upset one of the containers. And has it? No. Everything is as it should be. Good. Now fetch the doctor to me. I think it's time that he and I had a little tete-a-tete, -tete, as you Frenchmen say. Are you going to tell him? It's not my place to. I'm only obeying orders, after all. No, I shall see if he really is worth all this trouble. Bring him. And, Professor... Uh, yes, Captain? Change your shirt. There's a good fellow. You appear to have dipped your cuff in some of our precious cargo. And we wouldn't want the good doctor to get suspicious, would we? No. <laughs> no, we wouldn't. <laughs> I shall be on the bridge. You are dismissed. So you never found this Nexus thingamajig? We were about to when the bears got our scent and attacked. That's it. I knew something didn't add up. Ever since we got rescued, there's been something gnawing away at the back of my mind. A residual guilt for all the heartache you've caused me? I'm serious, John. Those bears found you by your scent. But how did that Frenchie professor know where to find me and Jamie? Come to think of it, what were they even doing in this part of the ocean? Just be thankful they were, Myra. Or you and I'd be dead like all the other passengers and crew. Maybe we should be. Maybe we were meant to die on the Titan. Did you think of that? No, John. I'll tell you what they were doing here. They were looking for something. Or rather, someone. The doctor. But why? I don't know. But they gone to an awful lot of trouble to find him. <sighs> Hydroponics? Hydro what? Soilless gardening. It would appear that the Nautilus grows their own fruit and veg. I wonder what in. Liquid seaweed, perhaps. Very rich in iodine. Anyway. What exactly are we looking for, Doctor? I don't know. A clue. Anything that will help us work out what on earth's going on here. Aha. That's more like it. This must be Aronax's laboratory. Come on. Oh, tut tut. I hope the professor's mind is less cluttered than his lab. Oh, I wouldn't bet on it. He had his spectacles on upside down all the while we were in that submersive. What's it? Um, the Sea Dragon. Let's see what he's working on, shall we? Uh -huh. Now, this looks like an osmotic filtration system, but filtering what? Liquid seaweed? Possibly. But why filter it? You get rid of all the minerals. No, this is refining something, concentrating it. See how the liquid gets darker and thicker the further it goes through the filtration process. Hey, there's some wee flasks of it in this rack here. Oh, it's as black as pitch. Mm, let me see. Oh, so this is the finished article, is it? I wonder. Jamie. What is it? Poison? Black water. It's the same stuff those pump jacks were extracting in the highlands. I'd recognise that acrid tang anywhere. But what's it doing here? Doctor, Monsieur McQuimon, are you there? It's the professor. Quick, look busy. Pick up a book or something. I'll borrow this little test tube and examine it later. Ah, there you are, Doctor. Professor Aronax, how delightful to see you again. Look, do forgive this intrusion, but I'm a sucker for a laboratory. Especially one as handsomely accoutred as this. Jamie and I were just admiring your enviable collection of scientific literature, weren't we, Jamie? Oh, absolutely. Mm. 
It's a modest assemblage, but one of which I am not a little unproud. <laughs> and rightly so. Why, you've got volumes here that other marine biologists would give their shark's teeth for. <laughs> Denizens of the Triassic Trenches, the illustrated Ichthyosauria, Cryptozoic Cephalopoda. And what's the one you're reading, Jamie? Hmm? Oh, it's called The Wreck of the... The Wreck of the... Forgive me, Doctor... But the captain would be most grateful if you would accept his invitation to join him on the bridge. I should be honored. Excellent. The bridge is on the top deck at the front. The bow, as you say. You're not coming with me? The captain requested to see you alone. Perhaps in your absence, Monsieur McCrimmon would care for a guided tour? Uh, doctor, this book... A I capital should... idea. Perhaps you should invite Myra along, Jamie. She must have lulled Mr. Rowland into a stupor by now. <laughs> well, I must be off. I'll be on tour, Professor. Uh, doctor, wait! You were saying something about a book? Uh, oh, not me, no, no. The doctor's your man for books. <laughs> so, uh, tell me, what's this Chrysostic cephalopoda when it's at home? Approaching the feeding grounds now, Captain. Extinguish the external lights and take us down to half power. We don't want to attract any unwanted attention. We're slowing down. The lights are dimming too. Ah, Monsieur Roland. How is the shoulder? Much better, Professor. The doctors patched me up well. Oh, is there no end to the man's talents? He is, as you say, a knave of all trades. Now, Monsieur Roland... I wonder whether you would mind forsaking Mademoiselle Selfridge's charming company for a short while. I would like to show her and Monsieur McCrimmon here the rear observation bubble. The view is breathtaking, unforgettable. John? It's all right, Myra. I could do with the rest anyway. You can wear Jamie's ears out for a bit. And <laughs> just when I was beginning to like you. Perfect. This way, Mademoiselle. Now tell me. Have you ever gone deep-sea fishing? Is this something you ask all the girls? John, catch. What is it? Bedtime reading. If you see the doctor, show it to him. Monsieur McCrimmon. Uh, coming! Sweet dreams, John. The wreck of the Titan. What? Anything? Nothing showing up, Captain. Expecting something, are you? Indeed we are. You. Permit me to introduce myself. I am Captain Nemo. And I'm Jane Eyre. The observation bubble. Oh, my. It's... it's... It's like another world. It is another world, monsieur. A world whose beauty few can comprehend. I have devoted my life to studying it, and still I feel that I have barely dipped my toe in its shallows. Seventy percent of the Earth's surface is covered in water, and yet we know next to nothing about the creatures that live in it. Two hundred thousand marine species have been catalogued, and yet that is only the tip, if you forgive me, of the iceberg. There are ten times that number out there waiting to be discovered. This is where life began, and for some of us, where it will end. How did you wind up on the Nautilus, Professor? I was on a scientific expedition in the North Pacific, tracking the Nawal, 
This sea unicorn, as we called it, when our ship, the Abraham Lincoln, met with a whale of an unknown species, the Nautilus. It attacked our ship and abducted several of the crew, myself among them. Abducted? You mean you're a prisoner here? Not a prisoner, no. A guest of Captain Nemo, like you. The Wreck of the Titan or Futility by Morgan Robertson. First published 1898, this edition 1912. 1912? But that's in the future. You're a fake. Like this submarine of yours. I can assure you that the Nautilus is real. In the physical sense, yes. Bolts and rivets, brass and polished wood. Superficially very impressive. Thank you. It took me years to perfect. It took Jules Verne years to perfect. You just stole his idea. Lock, stock and barrel organ. I take it there is an organ on board? You are a puzzling man, Doctor. You see the physical universe and yet you deem it an illusion. How very like the philosophers of my home. And where would that be? Pleiades cluster? That's got plenty of rich kids willing to fork out for this kind of extreme role-play. Or how about Zanuck Four, home of the holographic holiday? India, Doctor. I come from India. I'm the son of the Raja of Bundelkund. All oh, right, have it your own way. You're the real Captain Nemo. For all I know, you've been brainwashed into believing it anyway, so further argument would be fruitless. What I would like to know, however, is what precisely is in this little test tube here. Ink. The steamship Titan was considered practically unsinkable. This can't be true. A slight-built man of about 30, black-bearded and bronzed to the semblance of a healthy vigour. Oh, no. No, no. John Rowland is here, Lieutenant Rowland. I've just seen him. He is, or was once, a rejected admirer of Mrs. Selfridge. You were right, Myra. It wasn't chance that brought the Nautilus here. It was a book! Ink! Sepia, to be precise. Milked from the largest of the Architeuthidae family. Architeuthidae? The giant squid? Quite so. These are their feeding grounds. Captain! Something's showing up on the bathograph. 700 metres to port. Keep dead ahead. It won't bother us. You seem remarkably confident. The creatures are used to the Nautilus. True, they can be aggressive hunters. But since the largest of them is less than half the size of this vessel, I do not fear we are in any danger. It will ignore us or swim away. Are you so sure? It's closing in on us, Captain. 600 metres. 500... What's the scale of this bathograph of yours? One to a hundred. Why? Then you may have a problem. This particular giant squid is more than twice the size of the Nautilus. What? There must be some mistake. It's coming in fast, sir. Three hundred? Two hundred? Prepare to initiate hydroplaning. You can't outrun it. That thing's used to chasing whales. Kill the engines and extinguish all lights. Do it! Are you mad? We'll be a sitting target. Giant squid hunt by sight. We need to become invisible. 
We haven't broken down, have we? Impossible. The Nautilus has an auxiliary power supply should the sodium-mercury batteries fail. Then why has everything gone dark? Hang on. There. Let there be... <gasps> it's latching its suckers onto us. We need to surface before it drags us down. Full power. Now. Aye, aye, Captain. 500 fathoms. 400. 350. We're slowing down. Feed in the auxiliary power. The hull's beginning to buckle, Captain. Doctor, what on earth's happening? Not now, John. Nemo, we have to have more power. Initiate hydroplaning. But, Captain, uh, do as I command. It's working. 200 fathoms. 150. You did it, Nemo. We're pulling clear. We're surfacing. What is that? One of the squid's tentacles. Get back, all of you. Captain, help! Wait! Hold on, man! I've got you! John, get something to cut through this tangent! There's a safety axe in the corridor. I'll... Nemo! Nemo! John, get that axe! I can't hold it! No! Behind you, Doctor! Another tentacle! What? telling that thing. What is it? A giant sea serpent? No idea. But whatever it is, it's not going to be stopped by a bit of glass. Any moment now, that thing is going to crack like an egg with us inside. I think it's time we cut short our sightseeing tour, don't you, Professor? Professor. He's gone. And he's locked us in. Professor. Oh, Professor Aaron. Professor. Professor. Open this door. Professor. Open this door immediately. Professor. What's happening, Professor Arax? Is the ship under attack? It most certainly is. By the biggest archituthis I have ever seen. Incroyable. Did you load all those barrels into the sea dragon? Oh, but this one, yeah. Then it's time I was going. Opening sea doors. We're taking the sea dragon out in this. No, I'm taking the sea dragon out in this. You have another appointment. Another appointment? With the fishes. Sit. I should have shot you after you loaded the final barrel. Oh, well, nobody's perfect. Idiot sailor! You didn't put the lid on properly. Gallons of ink wasted. You deserve to get shot. Oh, well, I still have enough. 
Farewell, Captain Nemo, and farewell, Nautilus. May you both sink into oblivion together. Hold on, Doctor! Use the axe on the underside of the tentacle! The suckers are more... More tender! Doctor! The other portal! What in heaven's name is it? The creature's beak! Beak? Yes, beak! I see you know even less about cephalopods than you do about polar bears. Now hurry, John! It's pulling me towards... Blast you! Hurry, John! We're on the surface now, Doctor! So won't this thing die out of water? Not quick enough for us! John! I've not got you, Doctor! I won't let go! Get back, Miner! It's gonna shatter! Jamie! Get back, you monster! Harpoons at the ready, men. And from! What happened? I think there are sailors outside the ship, attacking it with harpoons. Well, then we're saved! Not just yet, we're not. Cells activated. Disengaging docking clamp. Now, to await the perfect departure window. Axe. Axe. No. In the corridor. Doctor! Nemo! Nemo! Divert all power to the Nautilus's external plates! The external plates? We need to electrify the hull. It's our only chance! Do it before John and I become squid food! Of course! I'm rewriting engine power. Charging capacitors. 50%. 60! Now then! Things almost upon it! No! Wait for full power! 85! 90! Get that stupid beak away from me! 100 percent! No! That's it! The power cells are exhausted. Oh, they're not the only ones! Well done, Nemo. And thank you, John. You saved my life. Well, I owed you for the polar bears. So, is it dead, the squid? Oh, I very much doubt it. It'd take more than a few thousand volts to kill something that big. Then it'll come back. Very possibly. Nemo, how long till the engines have enough power to take us out of here? Five minutes, at the very least. I'm redirecting power away from all non-essential systems and channeling it into... into the propulsion units. Can anyone hear me? I repeat, can anyone hear me? I don't think this thing's working. That's Jamie. Keep trying. And Myra. <sighs> Jamie, it's the doctor. Are you all right? Doctor? Am I glad to hear you. Where are you? In the observation bubble. Or what's left of it. That great sea snake was about to grab us when everything started sparking. Did you see where it went, the squid? It didn't go anywhere, doctor. It's still here. Just floating in the sea next to the ship. What? We'll get out of there. We can't. That rat Aranex locked us in. 
Aronax? Why? Who knows? I always thought, though, there was something fishy about him. He knew far too much about you for a start. About me? I hardly spoke to the man. Jamie! That thing! One of its tentacles just twitched! Doctor, you've got to open this door. That sea monster's coming back to life. John's already on his way. Keep this line open. I don't understand. Why would Professor Aronax do such a thing? He must be working for them. Them? What do you mean, them? The other side. I'm sorry, Doctor. I should have told you before, but I wasn't sure I could trust you. Tell me what? We didn't find you by chance. We were sent to pick you up. Given your precise coordinates. Sent? By whom? It's not important. The point is that we're not the only ones looking for you. What? Someone's launched the sea dragon. Aronax! Aronax! Is that you? Oh, Captain Nemo. What a disappointment. I was rather hoping that magnificent Archiputhis had crushed you in its beak and shredded you with its radula. Professor, come back to the Nautilus now. It's not safe. Ah, oh, the doctor, too. Such a pity you couldn't have come with me. I'm sure my friends would have enjoyed meeting you. Ah, oh, well, they shall just have to make do with the ink. The ink? You've taken the ink? Every last drop. Well, apart from one barrel, which sadly went on anointing the outside of the sea dragon. Happily, the party responsible is no longer with us. But no matter. It will be sufficient. Whatever they have offered you, Professor, it cannot be enough to betray your own people. Oh, but it can, Captain. You see, they offered me the one thing you never did. My freedom. Now I'd like to say au revoir. But I doubt we shall be seeing each other again. So this is goodbye. Professor, wait! It's no good. He's gone. Doctor, it's Jamie. John's opening the door now, but I thought you ought to know that squid thing's moving away from the Nautilus. I think it's hunting something else. The sea dragon! It's homing in on the ink Aranax spilt down the side! Aranax! Aranax! It's no good, Doctor. He's cut our transmissions. There is nothing we can do for him now. Finally, a new life begins. Uncharted waters to survey, fresh oceans to explore, new species to discover. What? Get off, you stupid creature! Take the Nautilus instead! I am your friend! I am on your side! They're the ones with harpoons! Ink within. A month that took us to collect. Now we'll have to start again. Why is it so important, this ink? Drilling for it in Scotland, farming it in the North Atlantic. The ink is all that stands between victory and defeat, Doctor. That and you. Me? Huh. Well, this place is a mess. Jamie, how have I managed without your piercing observational skills... Where are John and Myra? The medical room. Myra insisted on redoing John's bandages. 
Uh, where's the sea beastie? It just ate Professor Aronnax. Oh, well, it's the way he would have wanted to go. Power restored. Installing replacement portholes. Engaging floor pumps. Hey, the water's draining away through the floor. This ship is amazing, Doctor. It makes your TARDIS look a bit shabby. Shabby? I'll have you know that the TARDIS is not only watertight, but completely impregnable to attack from a giant squid. Aye. And when did you last put that to the test? Well, I came pretty close to it on one of the moons of Delta Magna. Of course, laid in. Engaging engines. Commencing dive. Dive? Where are we headed? Who cares? So long as it's away from that sea beastie. Nemo, where are you taking us? To your destiny, Doctor. The Mosque Strong. Nemo! Jamie, help me with his jacket. What's he covered in? Is that blood? Oil from this machine, I should think. Or squid ink. That tentacle hit him pretty hard. Maybe he cracked a rib or something. Come on, let's get him to the medical bay. What did he mean about your destiny, Doctor? And what was that word he used, monks? Oh, the Moskstram and Jamie. It's an enormous whirlpool rumoured to exist off the coast of Norway, as far as I know. No one's ever seen it. Or at least seen it and lived to tell the tale. It's more usually referred to as the Maelstrom. It wasn't just your name the professor knew. He was pretty much up on your entire career. Now, how could he know that sort of information? Someone must have told him. The question is, who? It was Aronax. He betrayed us to the other side. We lost 12 men in the attack and all the ink we'd managed to harvest this trip. The Nautilus is damaged, but not irreparably. We are en route to the rendezvous point. With any luck, the Doctor should be with you in a matter of hours. Nemo out. First polar bears, now giant squids. What next? Bad things don't always come in threes, you know. I mean, there's any one of you, isn't there? Maybe you were my first bit of bad luck, John Rowland. Rowland knew that the Holocaust was complete. That the invincible Titan, with nearly all of her people, unable to climb vertical floors and ceilings, was beneath the surface of the sea. Nima's back in his own cabin now. Still not come round, but Myra's done what she can. Besides, she and John need the medical bay to patch up the rest of the crew. Yeah, they make a fine couple, those two. Heroic. More three-dimensional than this book would have you believe. The Wreck of the Titan by Morgan Robertson, published 1898, reprinted 1912. What does that tell us, Jamie? It took 14 years to sell out. First rule of publishing. If at first you don't succeed, wait until life imitates art... And then reprint with a big I told you so banner emblazoned on your cover. The only reason this was reprinted in 1912, Jamie, was because the Titanic went down in 1912. You must admit the parallels are astonishing. Same month, same location, the same type of ship, the same lack of lifeboats, the same watertight compartments, the same looming iceberg... The ships even have near-identical names, the Titanic and the Titan. One real, one fictional. Oh, well, seems the Professor had quite a collection of sea adventures. Mavis of the Medusa, Georgina of the George, 
Millie of the Mary Celeste. Mary Celeste. Hang on. What did you say? Millie of the Mary Celeste. It's one of the books on this shelf. Put it down for me, would you? Uh, uh, here. Uh, I don't believe it. It's the same book. What do you mean it's the same book? Millie of the Mary Celeste by J.P. Tumley. The library on board the Titanic had a copy. Only this one isn't blank. Chapter One. The White Barbary Terror. Millie Cadwallader awoke to the sound of an arctic tern circling beyond the cerulean circle of her porthole. Oh, dear, oh, dear. I don't understand. Neither do I. All my theories are flying out the window. It, well, it could be a coincidence that an author I've never heard of just happens to turn up in two different places, but I doubt it. When was this Bernoisi Dribble published? Ah. What? When was it published? 2110. That's nearly 200 years after the Titanic sank. Precisely. So what was it doing in the Titanic's library? Come to that, what were John and Myra, characters from a novel written 14 years before the Titanic sank, doing on board? They weren't. Well, of course they were. That's where we met them, remember? No, 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 Doctor. That's where we met Edward Truman and Teresa Pilkington. Teddy and Tess. Tess, Doctor. Look at this. It's the next book along from Millie of the Marie Celeste. Tess of the Titanic by J.P. Tumley. The moon was full and bright as Teresa Pilkington, Tess to her Chelsea chums, stepped out of the captain's cocktail party and onto the windswept deck of the RMS Titanic. Tess and Teddy, Myra and John, Nemo and Aranax. All fictional. But if they're not actors and they're not those android things either, then what are they? Avatars. What? Avatars! Of course I was right all along. I just got the scale of it wrong. The scale of what? Everything. Well, I thought we were in some enormous theme park ride in a far-flung galaxy. The Titanic experience, the Nautilus adventure with Nemo and Myra and John as brainwashed tour guides. But like the grandiloquent dunderhead I am, I was thinking too big. Well, if we're not in this uh, theme park of yours, where are we? Inside a computer game. A what? Come on. Hydroponics. Kitchens. Crew mess. Don't follow, Doctor. We went through all this earlier. Yes, and we were so busy looking for clues that we missed the most obvious one of all. Which was? What's not here? Sorry. Well, the absence of something can be as revealing as its presence. Where are the store cupboards, the waste disposal facilities, the lavatories? They're not here because they don't tend to feature in computer games. Now, what was the name of the submariner who brought you over here in the Sea Dragon? Ah, uh, I, I don't remember. I, he never said his name. Neither did the one on the bridge. Why? Because they don't have names. Only the major characters have names. Everyone else is just an occupation, sailor, lookout, submariner. But what are we? Digitised? Or miniaturised? Oh, I do hope not. Come on, let's get to the bridge. But they bleed, Doctor. The, the people on board the ship, the, the people on the Titan too, they die. They're real. No, they're just programmed to look that way. They're avatars, Jamie. So you keep saying, but what is an avatar? 
an algorithmic alter ego, a digital doppelganger. When you play a sophisticated role-play game such as this, the computer lets you choose a virtual character to play. You experience the game through their eyes. They are your avatar, your virtual double. I'm not following this at all. I mean, who is this computer? Not who, what? A computer is a machine that performs mathematical calculations, adding, subtracting, long division and so forth. The more sophisticated the computer, the more complex and subtle the calculations. With a powerful enough machine, you can create the most spectacular things using pure mathematics. Virtual worlds such as this one, game environments. But, but what about the Titanic changing into the Titan? Was that part of this game too? No. I think our presence caused that. We were an anomaly, uh, ghosts in the machine. And the computer wouldn't have liked that. You see, Jamie, I think there are three different fiction-based games going on here. Tessa the Titanic, The Wreck of the Titan, and 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. When we landed the TARDIS inside the first one and began disrupting the game, the computer must have activated a failsafe and moved us over into the nearest game with a similar plot. The wreck of the Titan. Precisely. And the same thing happened again after the Titan hit the iceberg. That's when we were shunted sideways into the Jules Verne game. But why did Myra and John come with us each time? I don't know. Maybe they're both being played by real people in the outside world. You make them sound like puppets. Do you now understand the seriousness of the situation? Yes. We had no idea. You were on the fringes of the conflict. There was no reason to involve you. And the Doctor really is our only hope. So I'm given to understand. My instructions are to bring him back alive, at any cost. And Jamie? He is expendable. What are we looking for? Uh, mm, an access panel. About a meter or so across, shiny, hexagonal. Try behind those charts. Why exactly are we looking for this uh, access panel? I once landed in a similar situation. A terrarium filled with miniaturised exhibits. I just want to make sure I haven't done it again. There's nothing miniature about that squid. Wait till you see what a miniature dressig can do. No, nothing. Well, that's a relief anyway. My avatar theory still stands. But it still doesn't explain what happened to the TARDIS, though, does it? No, it doesn't. Your time machine will be returned to you once you have agreed to help us. Captain Nemo, good to see you up and about, and suddenly very knowledgeable about time machines. It has never been my intention to mislead you, Doctor. Oh, don't worry, old chap. Being enigmatic is doubtless part of your programming. Now, where are John and Myra? Surely you brought them with you. After all, we're the only players left, aren't we? We're here, Doctor. Captain Nemo's explained the situation. Please, will you help us? What do you mean, help you? Help you to do what? To win. To vanquish our enemies. Vanquish, eh? Ooh, what an elaborate word. And if I refuse? Then Jamie dies. Hold him. Uh, what uh, do you think you're doing? I, I thought we were friends. We are, Jamie. Believe me. Well, you've a... Funny way of showing it. Please, stop struggling. Hurting you is the last thing we want. But we will if we have to. Hey, that is my duck. Look, this has gone far enough. Nemo, explain yourself. In a moment, Doctor. I just need to check on our progress. 
two leagues and closing. Time to increase speed, I think. Initiating hydroplaning. Two leagues until what? The maelstrom, Jamie. That's right, isn't it, Nemo? That's where we're headed. My destiny. And when we get there... Is that rivals defeated, competitors trounced? Game over? This is not a game, Doctor. It's a matter of life and death. If you do not help us, then they will win and the consequences for everyone, for everything, will be catastrophic. And who are they? You keep mentioning them, but you're very short on specifics. Interlopers. Outsiders. They threaten the very fabric of our world, Doctor. They wish to control it, own it, use it for their own evil purposes. We cannot allow that. Rival players, hackers, a computer virus, what? I am not at liberty to say. My role is to ensure your safe conduct to the centre. The centre? Ah, the central processing unit, you mean. The what? The core of the computer, Jamie, where it does its thinking. One league, feeding in auxiliary power. John, you're a good man, a brave man. When we were on that ice flow, it was Jamie who came to our rescue. Please, don't threaten him. Give him back his knife and let him go. I can't, Doctor. I am still a good man. Please believe me, but you have to promise to help us. Not under duress, I don't. Myra, surely you can see this is madness. Without Jamie, you'd be dead, suffocated in a sunken wreck. Why are you doing this? Because if we don't, it's the end of everything. Doctor, don't listen to them. If what they wanted was innocent, they'd have told you what it was already. Since they haven't, it means they're up to no good. Help us, Doctor. And Jamie will live. Reject us, and he dies. All right, Nemo. I give in. I'll help you. Just let Jamie go. Release him. About time, too. Thank you, Doctor. Soon you will understand everything, and I hope you shall not judge us too harshly. Don't be so sure. Now, what is it you want me to do? Hold on to something secure. That brass stanchion behind you should be ideal. Ideal for what? Now, Doctor. We're about to enter the Mosque Strauman. Doctor, look outside. It must be ten miles across. Give me a hand, Myra. The Maelstrom. John and Myra and Captain Nemo. I think they just turned into paper. 
paper. Printed paper. The, the, the pages of books. Here. But what has become of the Nautilus? Has it resisted the pressure of the maelstrom? Is Captain Nemo still alive? It's from the final chapter of 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. Yeah, and never again, said Roland, rising. I have a future now as well as a past. That'll be from the wreck of the Titan. And no doubt some of these pages are from Tessa the Titanic. Fern, Robertson and Tumley. Tumbling from the sky like autumn leaves. So is this it then? Are we in the centre? The brain of that computer of yours? I'm not sure. If we are, then it's like no computer I've ever seen. So white. Like a fog. It could go on forever or stop six feet in front of us for all we know. Books. What? Books and... Ink. You're all right. You're not making any sense. Oh, Jamie. I was wrong, hopelessly, horribly wrong, about as wrong as it is possible to be. This isn't a computer game. What is it then? Heaven? Quite the opposite. Come on, stop joshing. We must be somewhere. Somewhere, nowhere, everywhere. The normal rules of space and time don't apply in this place. I came here once before with Zoe and... and you. <laughs> with me? Sorry, Doctor, but you must be mistaken. I think I remember coming here. It's, it's not exactly a sight you'd see every day. Now, is it? A great big blank, a, a white mist. It's more like something out of a book. And that's exactly what this is, Jamie. But not just one book. Any book. All books. Oh, aye. Is that a fact? It's about the only fact you'll find here. This is a land where fiction is king. Doctor, something's coming out of the mist. People, by the look of it. People in armour. Not people, Jamie. No. Robots. White robots. <laughs> <laughs>